being a member is, is important. And we believe in membering, like, you know, where it says in Romans 12 that we are members one of another. Everybody say that. We are members one of another. Now, that's what God says. God declares that. And, and, and so the best thing you can do is recognize it, recognize that your member is one with another. Because if God says you are members with your brothers and sisters in a local church that you've been called to, if God says you're members of one another, you're not members of a church building. You're not members of a role. You're not just members of an ideological set of doctrine and dogma. You're not just a member of a club. You are truly, literally, supernaturally, mystically joined to the body of Christ through a local church with a pastor with that, you know, deacons and bishops and uh, saints, it says in Philippians 1-1, but the leadership and the, and, the help, and the ministry of helps and the people that are being developed by those two entities, uh, the, you are members of those folks. So the best thing you can do is recognize it, rightly esteem it, and then begin to operate in it so you can make your life more biblically sound and in, in order with God's word or in line with God's word. So when we understand that, it's not something that we're going to do. You know, it's kind of like the Bible says, by his stripes, you were already healed. And so let's get in line with that and use our faith and act in line with that, believe in line with that, speak in line with that, and therefore in time get in line with that truth and realize the in Christ reality that is there. Put it on, put on the inward man where those in Christ realities exist as in your spirit man. Put that on, live it out, confess it, and model it for others so they can get on board as well. Can I get an amen? It's important that we recognize what God says about us and begin to act in accordance with it. Because if we don't act in accordance with it, we are in a passive-aggressive passive posture against God's word. Where is that in the Bible, Pastor Bill? Using those big psychological words. No, it's just, a, it's just James 4, 7, where it says, He that knows to do good and, to, and he does it not, to him it is sin. And we don't want to live in sin. Can I get an amen? So we want to get into fellowship with God because you can't be in fellowship and in sin. Now, you can be in sonship, but you can't be in fellowship if you have an unrepented sin. That's why we have 1 John 1, 9. And, we, and he who covers his sin will not prosper. He who confesses his sins will prosper, and the Lord will restore that person. So we, we need to understand some things about the local church. The local church can be understood like this. You know, what... Uh, the church is universally and the church local is like what mankind and families are. Now, you are all a member of the human race naturally in your physical man. We are, well, some people, sometimes I wonder. No, just kidding. But no, we're all members of the human race. But God has subdivided that. And God brings that from kind of a macro to a micro level. God causes it us to be able to uh, be stewarded in the context of local families where there's a, there's a father and there's a mother and there's children. Now, is that hard to understand? Does anybody find that hard to understand? I find that very simplistic. I find that super simplistic. I, I, I would have to try to not understand why God would have a human race but then have mom and dad and children for the micro-stewardship 
of that so that those families turn out right. And those families become the building blocks of strong churches. Strong churches become the building blocks of strong communities. Strong local communities become the building block of strong states. Strong states become the building block of strong nations. Our country is, uh, has been the greatest nation uh, in so many ways, financially, militarily, and spiritually, and now it's faltering horribly. And you can see that the breakdown of the family is right parallel exactly with the breakdown of most local churches. Churches are going out of business daily. Uh, the, there's been no church growth in America for quite a few years. It's only church transfer. It's from small town, small church, to big town, big church. And so there's been this huge transfer, but, not, but things are not growing because things are not necessarily right in the church world today. And there's a lot of things that are very unbiblical and people seem to bypass it and it's, and it's almost unbelievable to me. But the church universal and the church local are two different things and they don't operate the same. And God calls us to be a part of the church local as well as the church universal. You're born, you know, into the human race. You're just born into that. By choice, you become a family. Can I get an amen? You're born into the human race. By choice, you become a good, healthy, strong, intelligently stewarded family. Okay, you're born into the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, even as the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. We all know the scriptures about being born again. But you become a member of a church intelligently by choice. And some families are ran quite well. And people choose to be good family members, team players. And then, just like some churches are ran quite well, and church members are good members, and they're good team players, and they very intelligently help steward that entity very well. There's bad families, and, and bad members of families that, mess, that, that don't want to go along with the flow. Can I get an amen? And then there's good ones that want to go along with the flow in the family. You know, well, that, that one, he's the black sheep of that family. You know, they've got a great family, but then there's this one, he was a rebel, he was a black sheep, and he brought reproach on that whole family, and, and you know, it, well, he just, he, maybe he didn't understand that, you know, it's, it's one thing to be a part of the human race. Any, anybody with a zero IQ can become human race, you're just born into it. But it takes some thinking, it takes some planning, it takes some stewarding, it takes some effort, it takes some intelligent design to have a good family. And the same is true with the local church. Anybody can be born again, and that's good, and, and many won't because they choose not to, but it's already all paid for. God's already said, whosoever will, let him come. And so anybody can be born again, but then becoming a good church member, then becoming a good, you know, taking a step up, becoming a good deacon, and then maybe a step up if you're called, becoming a good, you know, full-time, five-fold ministry gift or elder, uh, and, and you go to that level and and, and that, you know, you ascend up to those levels. And so it it's, it's, takes some thought. It takes some doing to be a good church member. And that's what we, I'm assuming, I make this assumption because I only think good of, of, of people, that everybody wants to be that good church member. Can I get an amen? Amen. That was, should have been just a little stronger probably, but we all want to be good church members. And so that is the difference. There's a, there's a church universal, there's a church local, just like there is a human race uh, universal, and then there is one uh, in our family that because we're all still humans, even though we're part of a family, and that's really important that we understand that. So I want to talk about church and family today, and I believe this: <clears throat> we we should uh, we should really focus in on this, especially in the time. And you know, with the breakup of the family, how many would agree that the family has never been in so much trouble as it is today? 
can we all agree that the family is really broken? It's really kind of a mess in most of uh, the communities of our uh, American culture. And uh, let me tell you something. If you don't understand family, you will never truly understand the local church. And this is why the church is grasping for straws. They're grasping for corporate paradigms and consumerism and all these things, have it your way and, and, and all this stuff. And that's because they simply don't understand. See, I, I know that you have to understand family because, see, my job, First Timothy 3 gives me 18 character qualifications, only one ability qualification, apt to teach. But it says if a man desires the office of a bishop or preacher, pastor is really what the bishop is. That's just another one of the six names for pastor. If he desires that, he's got to have all these qualifications, and they're all character except one, apt to teach. And so it talks about that and, and how important that we understand uh, that. And one of those qualifications says if he knows not how to rule his own household. Everybody say, one's own household. How can he rule the church of God? If you can't rule your house, how that you have you know, this biological fatherhood over, that you have in this more contained, more relational, this setting where you can actually, you know, you can spank your child and start out when they're very young and, and get on the right path early. And, and if you can't get that right, you get a bunch of people coming off the street that have been a drug addict, people that have been abused, people that don't have any concept and they weren't raised right in their household, they don't have any concept of the local church or commitment or, or any of these most fundamental things of life and family and church life and all these things. And you try to bring them into a relationship with the living God. You try to bring them into a relationship with a group of people. And you try to bring them into a relationship of a family, the family of God, which is the local church. And, and, and you're going to have a really hard time doing that if you haven't got that first paradigm understood. And that is, you know, that you, you got to be a good father, and, and you got to be a good mother, and you got to know how to raise kids. See, that's why so many churches, the, the pastors may have a, a mega church, but they've got a mega monster at home, and it's their kids. Yeah. See, there's something grossly wrong with that. And, and then they teach, they, they teach that the church should be ran like a corporation, and that the head is kind of like a CEO, and that we've got to have, you know, we've got to brand our church. How about just being who you really are? And then we got to brand the church. No, I just want to see who you really are. And then we've got to capture the market share and get the most people coming to our church. And then you've got all these things. You know, maybe because if dad was always a CEO, then maybe that's why none of the families know how to be a dad, but they know how to be CEO real well. See, if I run this church like, a, like I'm a chief executive officer, which I am over this church, big deal, whoopee. Whoopee-ding, that's a matter of signing a piece of paper and being on a board. And, 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 you know, managerial skills, you know, fine, we can learn those. But let me tell you something. If, if I only would exhibit uh, the idea of I'm a CEO and, and I, I'm, you know, really operating on a marketing type of paradigm and, and I'm really operating more 
in, in the realm of consumerism. Come see what we have to offer and see if you like us. And, and See, that's consumerism. The Bible says they'll make merchandise out of you in 2 Timothy 3, and, he, and that's one of the signs of false concepts of not understanding the family called the local church. So what we have to realize is something. I think the reason why we have so many men that don't know how to be good dads is because maybe we've got so many pastors that don't know how to be good spiritual fathers. Paul said, you have tens of thousands of teachers, but you don't have very many fathers. I don't know about you, but if I go to a church, I'm looking for a father figure because God is a father, not a CEO. And if my pastor is representing God and God is a father... Maybe I would want my pastor to be fatherly and not CEO-ly. <laughs> because God's a father. He's not a CEO. He's a father. And I want my pastor to be a father. And I've got a pastor in my life. And, and, and I want to be, as a pastor, I want to be a father. And, and, and I want it to be based on the principles of the kingdom, not consumerism. And, and, and it's a kingdom principle. So we've got to understand that if we don't understand the local church and we start following false paradigms, how the, then see, because the local church is supposed to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. First Timothy 3.15. And it, so, so it should be the pillar and the ground of the truth for parenting, for how to be a dad, how to be a mom, how to raise your kids, how to do this thing right. It is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Not Dr. Spock. He wasn't the pillar and the ground of the truth. How many remember Dr. Spock? He's this knucklehead back in the 60s with a PhD who taught all the people not to discipline their kids. And we raised in the 1960s a generation of rebellion, which set us back probably 50 years. And, the, the, and those guys that smoked all that pot are still trying to come out of their cloud yet today. Somebody say Amen. But I mean, tell you something, it's because of the way kids were raised about 20 years before. It's because of what the churches were teaching about 20 years before. Liberal, at the advent of liberal theology coming into the local church. The paradigms began to change. And they stopped teaching father, and they stopped teaching discipline. And they stopped teaching a lot of the time-tested, true principles of God's word. And they challenged that, and they began to replace it. We're going through something very similar today in the culture. And we've got to understand that we need to have strong fathers, and we need to have strong pastors, and we need to have strong families, and we need to have strong local churches. Somebody say amen. amen. But see, God has a very particular plan. And Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's one thing that the devil's going to come against is the local church and the, and the family. Because Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So there's going to be an attempt for that to happen. But Jesus is about building the local church. And you say, well, that's, that's talking about the church universal. Well, the only way you can build the church universal is by building the church local. It's just like your human body. The only way that this body, this 180, 170-pound body that you might be walking around in, uh, is if all the cells are healthy. All the, the atomic, level, the, the very microscopic level parts. That hopefully you've got a good heart. Hopefully you've got a good lungs. Hopefully you've got a good, you know, digestive system. And, 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 and hopefully you've got a good circulatory system and respiratory systems. And, and these systems are healthy and you're healthy clear down to the cellular level. And, and, and then that's when the big part is healthy. 
when the church universal is healthy is when all the local churches are healthy. The local churches will be healthy when all the families are healthy. Somebody say amen. Come on. So we've got to understand that it starts by understanding church and family. We've got to get that right long before we get the government right. And there's, a gov there's governance in the church, there's governance in the family, there's governance in the civil realm. But the civil realm doesn't have a chance if the family and the church isn't right. It will not, and we can see what a mess it is today, too. So God sets up particular church. Turn, like Romans 16, 1 and 2, God talks about the local church. He commands a woman by the name of Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant. And that word is di uh, diaconess in the, in the Greek. In other words, female deacon. And it says, I commend unto you, Phoebe. We're in uh, Romans 16, chapter 1. Romans 16, uh, excuse me, verse 1. Romans 16, verse 1. And we're talking about how God has local churches. And he says, he, he commends unto them Phoebe, our sister, which is the servant of the church, which is at Centria, the church. So the church universal isn't there. You know, some people say, well, I don't need the local church. I'm part of the body of Christ. And I think, okay, right. And I don't, I don't need to get involved. I don't need to. I'm a lone ranger. I'll do my own thing. Well, the Bible speaks that that person is, in Proverbs, it says anybody who separates himself and becomes a loner is very arrogant, only wants to hear themselves talk. It very clearly says that. And so don't ever find yourself in that profile. And it says that you receive her in the Lord, becoming, uh, as becometh the saints, and as you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. And then it says, for she has been a succor of many and of myself, and greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, and whom not only I have given thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my beloved Epaphroditus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. So we've got different... God establishes specific churches. And did you know that God sets people in churches and he has specific, you know, I call it your captain, your company, and your commission. Specific pastors, specific people, and a specific vision, commission that he has for us. And then you go over to Revelation and he speaks specific messages to specific churches. You can go in there, Revelation 2.1, and it's, he speaks a specific word to the church that's at Ephesus. You go down to verse 12, and he has a specific word for the church of Pergamos. You keep on going, and there's a specific word for the church at Thyatira, the church of Laodicea, and so on and so on. There's seven different churches. And there's not a universal word for all of them. There is a specific specified word for those churches. You cannot feed off another church and be in this church and not become spiritually schizophrenic. If you're called to a church, you need the messages that are for that church that God gives. Can I get an amen? You know, well, yes, we all preach Jesus as Lord. Yes, we all preach you gotta be born again and you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, we all preach that sin is bad. And that we need to understand that we're the righteousness of God. We all, yes, of course, we all preach the basic Christian doctrines. But that doesn't have anything to do with the vision that you've called to and the assignment that God has put on you. That's what you've got to learn about. And, that, and then what God is teaching this church. And where this church may be 
needing some correction, where this church may be needing some encouragement, where this church needs to be needing some brushing up on some old principles and some things that we did a long time ago, taught a long time ago, that need to be brushed up on. So we've, we've got to understand that every church, you know, I don't, you know, some people get their messages from maybe, uh, you know, someplace uh, online, some maybe church growth thing, or, or, and they get their messages, but I get my messages right here. I get my messages right here from the Holy Ghost. I can't teach sermons. I've got to preach my heart and what the Holy Spirit's putting on it at this time. I just can't do that. Oh, there, I've probably preached 3,000 sermons, and I could go back and preach all my old sermons after a point. I could get on the Internet and tap into millions of sermons. It'd be the easiest thing in the world, and there'd be absolutely zero anointing for you to grow. Because it would just be empty words. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. Not just a good lesson. My voice. His voice is the Holy Spirit. His voice is the preacher. Because the preacher is called the oracle of God. That's the voice of God. See, and so there is a specific word. And so because there's specific churches with specific messages, God sends specific people into churches to form bodies. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, God has set every member into the body as it pleases him. You know, today you'd think, hey, we've got a lot to offer over here. Hey, hey we've got the best meal in town. Hey, we've got this, and, and hey, we've got this. You know, I'll never forget when I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's more good churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma than maybe any other city in America. I didn't know if I wanted to go hear Bob Yandian. I didn't know if I wanted to go hear Billy Joe. I didn't know if I wanted to go hear Carlton, Carlton Pearson before he got all messed up. I didn't know if I wanted to go hear, you know, this, that, or the other. And there were so many good churches. I'm this young guy going to Bible school. I've only been saved for two years. I don't know what I'm doing. And I said, oh, my gosh, imagine that. I think I'll just pray about it. Where do I go to church, Lord? That night, that night when I asked the Lord, where am I to go to church? I had a dream, and it was really a deep, symbolic, profound, cryptic, very, you know, you almost had to be apocalyptic to understand it. And it was Bob Yannian standing there right in front of me about this far away and says, I'm your pastor. <laughs> and me and my deep intellectual, philosophical, you know, analysis of that, I came up with this very profound conclusion that Bob Yannian was my pastor. It took so much searching. It was so hard to figure out who my, where I was supposed to go to church. But, you know, if we would just ask God. Some people spend half their life looking for a church and the other half of their life never going to it. But God has set every member into the body as it pleases him. And so we've got to understand that there is a plan for our life in the church world in our serving, in our being fitly joined together with people. And so there's specific people are sent. Let me show you how specific God can get with this thing. It's kind of crazy. You know, we, we think that it's just like choosing a restaurant. Go, go to the place where you get fed the best. Right. How many of you know that's not true with God, though? I mean, you want, God wants you to be fed well. But, you know, if, if, if you got, then, you know, you might have to drive all the way to Tulsa or something. Or I don't know, but... We're just called to go where God tells us to go. That is so important that we understand that. Let's go to Acts 16. Because God specifically assigns people to things. 
It says this in Acts 16 and verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. God forbids you to go preach certain places? God would forbid you to preach in Asia? After they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. The Spirit would suffer them not to go to those places to preach? And they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there was a vision that appeared to Pastor Bill in the night. And Bob Bassanian said, I'm your pastor. <laughs> Can you see a deep, profound parallel there? But anyway, so a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Assuredly. Everybody say assuredly. assuredly. Well, assuredly, when I saw Bob Bianian's face say, I'm your pastor, I assuredly, I was pretty assured that's where I was supposed to go. And I went there, and I grew, and, and I was fed, and, and the Lord blessed that season in that church. You see, God has specificity for us. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh, and it says when Jonah decided to not go to Nineveh, and when Jonah, this is in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says when Jonah left off to not go to Nineveh, and he went to Tarshish, he left the presence of the Lord. If we don't go where God's calling us to go, we can leave the presence of the Lord. You see, that's how specific God can be with us. So he left, and it says he left the presence of the Lord. God commands us, and everybody, uh, you know, let's look over there in Hebrews 10, 24. God commands us to not forsake. Just, just by the word forsake tells us how serious a business it is. To not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You see, there is a company of believers how many of you know Paul when he, Saul, excuse me, Old Testament Saul, that he was going down the road one day and there was a company of prophets that came up over the hill and they were singing and they were playing some instruments and it, Paul heard the Spirit of God say, go join yourself to those prophets. I'm not going to turn there, that's, I think that's in 1 Samuel 10, I think verses 1 through 10, somewhere over in there. But it just comes to mind. And God told him, join yourself to those. You know, in 1 Corinthians 10:1 it says that we're to be perfectly joined together. It says do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. There's something about being joined together. In Ephesians it says that we're to be joined, we're to be compacted and fitly joined together, fitly like a puzzle fitting together. Got to find where you fit and cemented. Once you get that puzzle together, you cement it. That's what it says that we are fitly to be joined together. And Paul went and he joined himself to this band of prophets. Now, excuse me, I said Paul. I meant to say Saul. Saul in the Old Testament. Saul was kind of a carnal guy. He certainly wasn't a prophet. And Saul joined himself to this group of prophets. There were these traveling band of prophets. I don't know exactly who they were even. He joined himself to these prophets and it says the same spirit that was on them came on him. 
And Saul, for the first time in his life, began to prophesy. And then the rumor went out that Saul is among the prophets and he's prophesying. And it said that when he was with that group, that company that God joined him to, God said join yourself to it, that he was able to do things that he'd never done before. The assignment will carry you. The ship that you're joined onto can carry you places you can't go yourself. You can't swim across the Atlantic Ocean, but you get on a ship, you can go across the Atlantic Ocean. You can't fly, but you get on a plane, you can fly. Paul couldn't prophesy until he got with people who could prophesy, then he prophesied. Moses was told, choose out 70 and take them into the sanctuary, and the same spirit that's upon you will come upon them to help you do the work. The same Holy Spirit anointing. And some had that spirit to build beautiful workmanship and craftsmanship. Some had that to prophesy. Some had that just to help him with tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands in the stewarding and managing of the people. And because they joined themselves and the same spirit came on them because of the house and the company that they were with, Paul talked about that he and his company, he always referred to those who he ran with and the local churches as different companies. How many know company is a military term? And see, in Ephesians, where it says, God has set the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. You know, that that word perfecting, oh, is that a big word in the Greek? Oh, does that have implications? First of all, it means to equip, and then it means to arrange. In an army, you equip your soldiers, and then you arrange them in battalions, some in, you know, the Air Force, some, uh, of course, over here in the Navy, and then some in the Marines, and then the Army. You arrange them, and then you arrange them in specificity and through talents and different things like that. The word where it says that the prophet and the apostle and the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher, that they equip the saints. And you look in the Greek, and those two words for grace means that the, the preacher's grace unlocks your grace. And then you get equipped, and then you get arranged. But if you won't cooperate with equipping and you won't cooperate with arranging, then you're not cooperating with God's plan for the local church. So we've got, we've got to have knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. knowledge. See, knowledge produces grace. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grace and peace will be multiplied to you when you have proper knowledge. And when you have knowledge, you can understand. If you have knowledge, then you can obey. If you have knowledge, then you can be in faith for something specific. Faith is not a blind jump in the dark. It's a a clear illumination of what God's telling you to do and then obeying it. As a matter of fact, faith is the exact opposite of a blind leap in the dark. It's the exact opposite. Faith begins where the will and the word of God is known. And that's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we've got to understand that we are commanded to join ourselves to these things. Now, I believe this, Matthew 9, 36, it says, now we're, okay, there it is. It says that sheep without a shepherd get decimated. You can turn there if you want in your Bibles. Matthew 9, and we're going to turn to verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Let me, let me, let me, it says he was touched with pity. He was deeply moved. He was filled with pity for them because they fainted and were scattered abroad. They were distressed and scattered, 
torn and thrown down, mangled and thrown to the ground, distracted and dejected as sheep with no shepherd. You know, I look at people, and I, and I, I go through our town, and I, I'll stop at the gas station. And, and they'll, they'll, be, they'll come in some soul, you know, buying a pack of cigarettes and a six-pack. And I think, you're so distracted from what this life is all about. They look like they're on drugs. They got maybe a screaming baby in the car. They don't look very healthy. They don't look very happy. They don't look very whole. And I think, dearie, you're a sheep without a shepherd. You don't know, you don't have a clue where you're going in life. Oh, how you need someone, maybe not me, it certainly doesn't have have anything to do with me. You need someone to get the word of God into your life. Someone who's gifted by heaven, supernaturally anointed and appointed to be the person who speaks into your life. Oh, how you need that, dear lady. Dear man, you're a mess. And you don't have a clue that that's what you need. Jesus looked out and he saw people like that. He saw them sick, weak, dejected, messed up, dysfunctional is what we'd call it today. He says, oh, how you need a pastor. And if you need a pastor, then that goes to say that then you need to be in the flock of the pastor. Oh, so then what we could say is, oh, how bad you need a local church in your life. How bad you need to be committed to something that's beyond yourself. Because see where serving yourself has gotten you, my dear one? It's gotten you everything but happiness. It's gotten you probably in debt. It's probably gotten you uh, divorced several times. It's probably gotten you addicted to some type of substance. It's probably gotten you having to go to the doctor uh, to get meds for your depression. It's gotten you all kinds of things, serving yourself. Yeah, it really has. It's gotten you far in life. But what about serving God? What about being a part of a people that give up their life for a greater cause? What about that? Because you know what? When you do that, when you seek first the kingdom, all these other things will come to you. And all those things will start getting fixed. That is the purpose of the local church. I'm, I'm, I'm ordained by God to put you to work. In forsaking yourself, in forsaking mammon, forsaking this world, forsaking sin, forsaking the flesh. That's my job is to put you to work and get your mind off yourself and get your mind on God and the needs of other people so that your life will turn out right. Somebody say amen this morning. That's a fact. That's what my number one job description is, to teach you the word of God, to employ you to do the word of God, and then to oversee and, and to help you make sure that you truly are doing the word of God. That is the job of the local church and the pastor. It says, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. This is Psalms 103. Everybody say, good and pleasant. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. And it says, it's even as the oil that ran down Aaron's beard, and that's a, that's a kind of a an innuendo of the anointing that's on the mouth, the beard, the mouthpiece. And it says that's where the the anointing comes down on Aaron's mouth to speak. And he was a a spokesman for Moses, in case you didn't remember that. And so for him to speak. Then it says, and this is the place where the dew descends on Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is like the holy place. It's the place. It's like church. 
And the dew descending is like the anointing coming down. So now we've got the preacher preaching, the anointing, the oil is a type of the anointing. It's around his mouth. And it says, this is where it's good. Oh, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell. This is talking about the local church. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. This is where the anointing to preach the gospel and the teaching of a Christian doctrine occurs. This is the place where the anointing comes down from heaven, where two or more are gathered together. There am I in the midst of thee. This is the place where it says, this is where he commands his blessing. This is the place where people get blessed. They learn how to have good marriages. They learn how to raise good kids. They learn how to make money honestly and, be, and become prosperous. They learn how to steward. They learn how to look not to the seen but to the unseen. They learn how to look not to the temporal but to the eternal. They learn how to live above this life and get ready for the next life. Because I'm guaranteeing you, you won't get that at Walmart. You won't get that at the public school. You won't get that at the uh, country club. You won't get it even at Kiwanis or any place like that. This is the only place that stuff happens. The only place that you're going to get that. And you should be committed to it for your children's sake. And we should always be putting that above other things. It says this, he that is planted in the house of God, will flourish in the courts of our God. He that is planted, everybody say planted. planted. See, some people are, they get planted and then they get rooted out, planted, rooted out, planted. You know, if you do that to a plant about three times, it can no longer take root. You ruin the root system and they can never take root again. I know people who have been ruined because they've been planted and replanted too many times by their own choosing, not by God. God doesn't do that. It's very rare that God moved people from church, church in the Old Testament. Now, people move, and they, you know, we, we got people that have moved here. Praise God, and that's good. Uh, but, but I'm saying people that live in the same town and have been in every church in town. They're a connoisseur of fine churches. No, you're a knucklehead. Sorry. I, I, there I got in the flesh again when I'm preaching. My wife talks to me about that. So anyway... But it, it, is, it is so, man, I lost my train of thought. But it says how, you know, plant, those that be planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our God. If you plant, get planted, you'll flourish. You'll flourish in your heart and your soul. You'll flourish in your childbearing. You should flourish in your marriage. You can flourish in, uh, generationally, financially. How many of you want to flourish today? Amen. Being planted causes you to flourish. It does. It's so important that we understand these things. See, in that house called the house of God, it isn't any Tom, Dick, or Harry can run the place. It isn't like the local club where the biggest bully with the most money or, or whatever gets to be the, bi the biggest honcho, and he runs the place. See, the Bible says if any man desires the office of a bishop, and it goes through these 17 character qualifications which really means you got to really have a transformation in your life. It means you really can't put yourself first ever. And you really got to be able to communicate the word. Because you're going to have to do it the rest of your life and come up with something new two and three times a week for the rest of your life. You can't do that if you have a shallow understanding. And you, 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 you've got to really make some commitments. And then it gives you the deacons, even the guy that helps them, and it runs them through almost all the same and it says that they, and you got to test them. It tells us to test them and make sure that they're toeing the line. The deacon, you all know this is in 1 Timothy 3, right? You all understand that. 
It says, test those deacons. And it's so doing. They purchased to themselves a great degree and boldness in the faith. And that word degree means a threshold going upward, upwardly mobile through a door and through the steps. It's kind of like you're climbing up steps and you're going through a door. So it gives the idea of upwardness and then trans, uh, graduating into something new and bigger and better are the ideas trying to be communicated in the original language. So you're moving upward and onward in God because you keep showing yourself you're faithful in the small things and God's assigning you bigger things. Yeah. And your life begins to develop. It begins to take on new meaning and new direction and amazing things begin to start happening. And see, and then it says, and I give you all these qualifications so thou might know how thou oughtst to act in the house of God, which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. This isn't just Joe's bar. This isn't just another club. This is heaven on earth. This is God's house. Amen. And you can't even open your mouth from the pulpit unless you jump through a whole bunch of hoops and pass a lot of litmus tests and you have given up everything and you are sanctified and you make your living by the gospel and that you've forsaken all for the gospel. I could go on and on with all the things the Bible says about you better count the price uh, before you build the tower or go to war and it isn't just anybody gets to do this and you got to have some people helping you. It just can't just be anybody doing it. You can't be just like the club that any clown can run it. it, it this, and then it says, so thou mightest know how thou oughtest to behave in the house of God. There's a way we're supposed to behave in the house of God with dignity, dressed with dignity, an attitude of dignity, dressed with love, attitude of love, all these different things because it's the pillar and the ground truth. Whether you know it or not, this is what the whole world looks to when they run out of truth in their life. They might, it might be their last chance. It may be their last resort. But they'll finally, eventually, because the Spirit of God, this is where he'll lead them, he'll, he'll lead them to the church to find out what the real truth is on every subject. Yes. Yeah, the world will tell you one thing about how to define marriage. Uh, the world will tell you another thing, how to define gender, 58 different ways nowadays. And the world will tell you all kinds of stupid. But if you really want to find out, you can find out in the beginning God made a man and he made a woman. And there's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. I had to do that. That's so old. But anyway. And, and you know, it, it, this, we, we should be awed by this place. We should be awed by this gathering of the saints whom the Bible says the angels are compassed round about and wishing that they had the same salvation that we have. Wow. It's amazing. See, it talks about the bishops. And the reason why it's so important is because it reflects family. You know, you go to Philippians, and you don't need to turn there, but Philippians 1.1 says Paul greets the bishops, the deacons, and the saints. Well, the bishops are the preachers. They're the five old ministry gifts. The, the deacons are the ministry helps, and the saints are the people that are being developed for those same two offices. And the bishop is the leader. He's like the father. The deacon is like the mother. She, like, he's the helpmate. The father's given direction and vision. The ministry of helps is helping make that happen. And then the saints are like the children that are being in the process of development right. and growing up. Somebody say amen. And when they grow up someday, they can be an elder or a deacon too. Right. So we're growing them upward and onward. And so when we understand that, we see that God is a father, Jesus is a son, and the Holy Spirit is a helper, a comforter, a paraclete, a parallel role 
of helpmate. God is a family, is a walking family in one, manifested in three. You look at the Holy Spirit, it has all the attributes. You know, El Shaddai means great-breasted one. Well, that's not talking about a man. There is a father, and there is a mother, and there is a child role represented in the very Godhead. Can I get an amen, somebody? So when we understand that, we start to begin to understand how insanely important family is because it is the reflection of God Almighty. And then when we understand how important the family is, and we say, you got to understand family before you can understand local church, then you start understanding, oh my gosh, the local church is mighty important because it's the reflection of God too, the body of Christ. So when you understand how important those offices are, because they are corresponding to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Father, Mother, and Child, and you begin to understand the local church like this, then you'll begin to take it a lot more serious. Because let me tell you something. If we don't get this right and the church continues to fail in America and the family continues to fail in America, we have one alternative to become like Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is an absence of understanding of family. Sodom and Gomorrah is the absence of understanding family. Somebody say amen. It's not an ag- aggressive thing. It's a, it was a path, it's, it's, a, it's a void thing. It's a void. You know, when, when families understand it, nobody in their right mind is going to give up the type of life I have for the type of life these poor fools have. I've done research on homosexuality. There is more abuse in homosexuality. There is more unhappiness and suicide in homosexuality. There is, in same-sex marriage, there is more discontentment. You know, the average male has like 3,000 partners. Well, yeah, he sounds real content with his spouse. Mental illness, suicide, domestic violence, child molesting is very prevalent with that. Trade... family I have for something like that? Are you kidding me? I absolutely pity anybody that's been reduced to that lifestyle. Somebody say amen. What we have is a million times better. There's no comparison. They're the most unhappy people in the world. And all the statistics prove it. And so what we have in the family is so profound. But see, the local church is God's family. Ephesians 3, 17, it says the whole family named in heaven and in earth. The pastor is like the father too because he, he's one of the, the bishops. Did you know pope means papa? How many of you knew that? The word pope means papa. See, we've lost, we, our culture hates masculinity and it hates dad right now for some perverted, insane reason. I said our culture hates masculinity and it hates the role of dad right now because it's so deranged and so perverted. It absolutely hates it. And so that tells me how much God, how much Satan is at work. Okay, so we got to be careful because lots of times, let me finish up here real quick. God is a father. Jesus is like a son. The Holy Spirit is like, really like a female helpmate. God's family always even trumps our family. Now, that's something that, oh, now, Pastor Bill, now you've gone to meddling. Now, you were good up to this point. 
you were, you, you know, you were doing really good, Pastor Bill. But now I'm going to turn you off. I'm, I'm zoning out. I'm gone now because you touched. Now let's not call it an idol, but, but today we worship family. See, but that's nothing new because there used to be family worship thousands of years ago among the pagans. There's nothing new about that. But our family. Now, if you haven't heard anything in this sermon, I want you to hear this part because this is the most important part of the sermon that I'm getting into right now. This is the most important part of the whole sermon. If we don't understand this, we're completely, we're going to be completely lost. Matthew 12. Everybody turn there quickly. And what we're going to finish out here. Verse 46 through 50, it says, While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak to him. So he's talking to a bunch of people, uh, church people. And his mother and his brothers were outside saying, uh, we need to talk to Jesus. Jesus, hey, boy, Jesus, this is your mom. It's your brothers over here. Then one said unto him, behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him, that told him, who is thy mother and who is thy brethren? Now this is Jesus speaking. And he stretched forth his hand toward the disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. The spiritual family trumps the natural family. (gasps) Pastor Bill, you're teaching heresy. In our culture, that's heresy. Plain and simple heresy. See, Luke 14 says there was one who bid people to come to a supper. And they all began to make excuses. One says, well, I've got a job, you know. Then one says, I've, I've got some possession. You know, his job was his ox, and he had to get, get his business going. And then he says, I've got some land. And that's possessions. And then he says, I've got to go to a marriage. That's family. And God says, those are unacceptable excuses. See, I've, I've found this to be true. That many preachers have messed up kids. I'm going to tell you something. I've got amazing kids. And I'm not afraid. I'm not saying that to be braggadocious or anything. I've got amazing kids. Rachel, come up here. One thing that I learned, (laughs) Rachel hates to get in front of people and talk. Come here. Look at that smile. I mean, I raised that, you know? I'm just teasing. I had nothing to do with it. God did. But let me tell you something. There are preachers that they approach church like this. There's the people, and then there's the kids. And the people in the church, they get very absorbed. They're preparing sermons. They're going to meetings at night. They're going to meetings at day. And this little set of eyes right here always sees mom and dad ministering to these people, ministering to these people, and ministering to these people, and ministering to these people, and not having time for them. Rachel's even told me, she says, yeah, I go to, you know, I'm at RU. And there's a lot of, there's kids there that hate church, hate their parents, hate preaching, hate ministry, because their parents are like that. And some people say, well, see, that, that person spent too much time on his, in the church and not enough time with his kids. False construct, completely. Right. Completely false construct, completely false question. 
this is what really happened. You choose what you, you, you choose to spend time with your family either one way or another. Now, the way that that doesn't happen in every family that I've seen, and I've seen the biggest and the most prolific preachers in the world, kids are getting pregnant, uh, they're coming out gay, they're cross-dressers, uh, they hate their parents, they're living like the devil, uh, they're living under a bridge in, in Des Moines, somewhere, over and over again. See, because it was never, you stay there, sweetie, while I go minister to the people. Never, 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 never. I did that on purpose to look like I'm marginalizing her. Because that's what you're doing if you do that. You're marginalizing your children. Instead, I say, let's go do this together. My kids grew up. First of all, they'd start helping in the nursery. And then they went from that to helping with puppets. Then they went from that to maybe helping in the sound room. Then they went from that to maybe being on the platform with praise and worship. Then they went to, like, her right now. She's helping with the youth, and she's even doing some backup teaching. And they progressed with us. And it was never us against them. It was us together serving them. Right. See, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we'll go play golf together. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord together. What, what are you choosing to do with your family? See, you can choose to do natural things with your family and say, well, that's because they, you know, we need a rest. Well, or you can choose to do spiritual things with your family and do natural things too. Nobody's against any, ever doing natural things. It's great to go fishing together. It's great to go play golf together. I don't care what you do. That's, that's great. But don't ever do that more than you do the other. Because what you will teach them by your actions is that your family is more important than God's. You will teach them that. Now, you'll never say that, but you'll teach them that. Yes. Somebody say amen. amen. You will teach them that. And then you'll wonder why they're a rebel to the church and God's family later on. See, this is what all these preachers do. And it's like I cannot believe they don't get it. And they all do, well, i got to protect my kid from too much church. Well, yeah, are you going to teach him to hate it? Or are you going to join together and let's do this together as a family? Now, we, we, go do, we go out to eat as a family. We go, we, we go do fun stuff as a family together. But let me tell you something. Don't get the idea that, you know, this is, this is something that we have to do at the expense of the other. No, do both. Because as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You can be seated. Thank you, Rachel. See, Jesus said this. He said, don't have time for your mom right now. Don't have time for your brothers right now. I got to go talk to the disciples. That sounds exactly like what I'm talking about. But you know what? What he did is, if you notice later on, his mom and all of his brothers were on board. Yes. And they were helping him. Yes. It doesn't have to be an either or. Either you, you, you got to be over here, and, but, but the people that do God's will, they're my family. I say, join the, 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 the biological family, get them doing God's will, so then you can say about them, they that do the will of the Lord is my family. So now my biological family is doing the will of the Lord, and they are my spiritual family. And I never make a distinction or a delineation between the two. 
And when your kids are doing the work of the Lord with you, like Joshua says, the Joshua principles for me and my house will serve the Lord, then they become that group of people that isn't outside the door saying, we want to talk to Jesus, we want to talk to Jesus. No, your family becomes those disciples that you're talking to. And your very kids are also your very disciples, and your family will be doubly blessed. Because that's what the local church is supposed to be doing. You see, it was... And the ark is a very clear type of the church. You know, it was taken up off the earth like a rapture, and then it came back down. That's like the return. And then there was a new covenant and a new kingdom. That's like the new heaven and the new earth. And then, of course, those who helped build it were saved by it. That's a type of salvation. And, of course, Noah was a type of Christ, and, and we all know all, all the parallels. But those that helped build it will be saved by it. They that helped build the local church will be saved by it. Not just saved as in being born again, but saved in my kids are serving the Lord. They're happy. They're prosperous. They, they've got a good marriage. They've got a good life. They really are experiencing the fullness of salvation or being saved. Somebody say amen. Because they help build it. And what you help build, the family helped. Everybody say the family. The family helped Noah build his ark. And the family was saved by that thing they helped to build. Your, your, your family will have salvation on a whole nother level when you help build the thing that brings other people salvation. Because yes. you will reap what you sow in life. Let's stand. We're out of time. I went way over. All right. Anybody get anything out of this? Oh, yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. The local church is the most beautiful thing. It's the most amazing thing. And it's never, you know, to, to say, well, I don't want to spend too much in church because it might hurt my family. <laughs> what? You, you want to short God's family so your family will get blessed. No, help build God's family and he'll help build your family. Somebody say amen. amen. When we help build God's family, he helps build our family. We just got to do it the right way and include them and do it together as a family.